0: Yeah. So before we start our dars today, um, I want to address for a few minutes um, a uh, an important matter. Uh, because, uh, as some of you will have known, uh, yesterday, I believe it was, it was yesterday, or maybe it was announced yesterday, we had the first uh, Muslim who passed away from coronavirus in the UK. Um, and, uh, Alihi rahmatullahi, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept him into Jantul Firdaus and give his pa- family pa- uh, patience, allahumma ma'ameen. And um, it was not far in North Manchester. Um, and uh, I was consulted today on a number of matters associated with that. And I wanted to um, reiterate that so that it goes on camera so that it can be spread so that I don't have to repeat myself. Obviously, for the last few weeks, you know, I've been banging on about this idea that we we can't be taking this virus. uh, uh, We we have to take it it seriously. There's one thing joking about it, but actually understanding that it's going to be a real, real uh, problem for the health services. I think everybody now understands that and that the uh, danger to our elderly is real. And uh, in actual fact, over the next few weeks, uh, people are going to realize that. Many of us are going to lose our elderly loved ones before the time that we expected. Everybody has to go, but we have a general expectation based upon normal health, normal realities, but soon we're going to see over the next few weeks and then next few months, this number skyrocket. And again, it's not just because it's not so much that the coronavirus is the killer virus of all time but it's circumstances that are not allowing us to control it due to being overwhelmed. And that's um, What I want to uh, discuss very briefly is the issues of uh, ghusl, of kafan, of defan, and janazah. Now, of course, this is a very important uh, reminder for us all to revive the fiqh of death, the fiqh of janazah. And we should be asking our masajid and our organizations, I'll be now, putting a greater push on that in terms of the class that we had as well so that everybody is aware of these rulings in principle and then in extraordinary circumstances which we are currently in so some of the health authorities have made the minds up they've decided that the uh, corpse after the, a person has passed away is still infective now this is a difficult one because we know that this is not something like uh, uh, you know super infective such as those which are uh, infecting people just based upon touch i mean touching the the body itself which is of course very very infective um uh, however the medical experts and that's who we take our advice based upon uh, are considering that the body is infective and therefore they are not allowing normative funeral procedures to go ahead let alone the fact that the family can't be involved. Any person who passes away, by the way, their entire family is immediately quarantined. In fact, they've been quarantined a week before the person has passed away. So I want you to know that just to appreciate and how important it is for the community to be able to support the, those that are, are going to be suffering, that they will not see their loved ones pass away. I want you to appreciate that. They will be in quarantine at home whilst their loved ones are dying. So this is real. You know, I, like I said, everybody, you know, it's not going to do nothing to me. It's not flu. It's this, it's that. So if you've seen the previous videos I've recorded, then you'll know that this is no joke. Uh, so uh, what are then the rulings concerning the ghusl? Um, what are the, uh, uh, the matters? So the first one is that uh, these are obligatory aspects. Individually, they are obligations. To wash the body is an obligation. To shroud is an obligation. And then to bury is an obligation. And then to have a prayer is an obligation as well. These are four individual separate aspects which are obligatory. However, within each of these individual four categories, there is some laxity with respect to what can be done. And that is now up for debate. So, for example, the washing. We know that there's a Sunnah way of washing, but actually, if it comes down to it, then literally just throwing water on a deceased body would suffice, quote-unquote, the ghusl. The real question that needs to be asked is that, is the ghusl of the the deceased, is it an act of worship or is it an act of cleansing? And in my opinion, it's not an act of cleansing and hardly um, and this is a this is a, a debate that you know people who study fiqh would be aware of like wudu and ghusl from Janaba. are these acts of cleansing or are they uh, acts of worship and the answer is that they are acts of worship even though we might not think that these are ritual ablutions ritual baths that we do for the sake of doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so therefore the uh, idea that uh, if it's not an act, or if it is an act of worship, then a Muslim should do it with an intention for the act of worship, because those are the requirements of an act of worship. If it is just for cleansing, and the reason why the al-mayyit, to wash the, the the dead body is one which is debatable, is because there very much is a cleansing process involved, both from the internal in terms of evacuation of the orifices, as well as the external and the perfuming and the use of sidr, and the, yani, soap at a proper level so it's a mixture between two there are many weak hadith that would also indicate that it's an act of worship so for example we have hadith that says that the, those who are menstruating are not allowed to wash the dead body hadith which is weak in my opinion there are hadith that say that one must make wudu after you do, do the ghusl for the deceased hadith weak in my opinion uh, hadith that mentioned that you must make ghusl after you wash the deceased body hadith weak in my opinion however a number of the companions uh, led that opinion And therefore, there is a body of evidence that would suggest that if these kind of categories of people or these actions need to occur around the ghusl, it's not just an act of cleansing, but it does indicate that there could be an act of worship involved in there as well. Why is this important to answer? Because the health authorities do not want the Muslim imams to come in, to come and wash. They are, when I say don't want to, I don't mean anything nefarious there. I mean that they are saying that the body is infective. If you come in, then you're gonna have to be quarantined and so on and so forth and can we will do it for you if you if it's just wiping the body down then we'll do it if it's wipes we'll do it if it's disinfectant spray we'll do it do we if it's the shroud then we'll do it so that's what needs to be answered and so in my opinion in my opinion at this moment in time right now where the numbers of the dead are in you know single digits or double digits and it's manageable then it is a requirement for the muslims to go and do this ghusl themselves And if that means wearing a hazmat suit or wearing uh, at least an N95 uh, 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 medical-grade mask and protective, uh, 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 at least headgear, then we're not so worried about the hands and everything. That can all be cleansed. It's about inhalation, which is the major uh, uh, fitna. So whilst it can be managed and whilst there are enough uh, people in the community who are knowledgeable enough to go and make their ghusl, then that should happen. However, if that reaches a level, if it reaches a level where there are not enough people, or there is a condition that is placed by the local health authority that says that you have to then go into quarantine for 14 days if you make this ghusl, then this is what I consider to be a mashakka, a mashakka which is a difficulty which is not required to bear in the sharia, and therefore I do not believe that one has to then make the ghusl. I repeat, I do not believe, I believe the obligation of the ghusl is forgiven and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So up until it's manageable, we should try to wash As long as they don't put the condition upon us That we have to go into quarantine as a result Because this is not something which uh, Unless of course you have uh, your test positive Then of course you need to go for coronavirus but uh, For isolation However if you're completely fine And everybody is just being uh, quarantined for no reason uh, Or or this is the person who's washing the bodies How they're going to go and wash the next one If they're in quarantine This is not manageable And so in this point we say uh, The the, the obligation has been lifted And uh, uh, the ghusl does not need to be done. They will then have the body in its, in its cleansing cleansed way um, put, placed into a bag, a bag that will be sealed in a very specific manner. Is it permissible to have this body in this bag in basic principle? Of course not. Uh, we have a kefen. We will request them that they put, they put a shroud on the body and we should give them the shroud and once they have the shroud then they can put it in the plastic bag it's not a problem for us that, that that remains let's say they said we cannot open the bag after it's been sealed and we cannot shroud the body then in this situation if that occurs then it is permissible to continue without having to force them to open the bag the aim was it should be to get in there before let educate them before that that they, if there is, this is going to go wrong please shroud this body before you put them in the plastic bag they will then want to seal that body in a coffin of some sort in principle, the Muslims are not uh, uh, buried in coffins, but due to the need, this is something which is again acceptable. And so if it is sealed and therefore that no one can see that body and so on, then that can be, you can proceed on that uh, point as well. The final point is the issue of the janazah. The janazah prayer is not something which needs to be uh, there at that moment, with the body at that moment. It is the haqq of the deceased to be buried immediately. It is the right of the deceased to be placed into the grave immediately without delay or unnecessary delay. And so therefore, the uh, presence, it is uh, sometimes possible in some of the graveyards up and down the country and other areas of the Western world that will be watching this video in their kind of uh, Muslim sections of their graveyard, that they have areas where they can pray. The body in principle is in front when you pray the janazah. But if it's not allowed because it's in quarantine, because of the nature of it being infective, then the prayer would go ahead regardless without the body. The Muslims in the masjid should do that, and then the family themselves can later then pray on their own at the grave, as was done by the Prophet ﷺ when the woman who used to clean the masjid passed away. And uh, a long time later, the Prophet ﷺ prayed again individually. It's one of the exceptions for praying in the graveyard, otherwise it's not allowed. But the janazah prayer, standing without ruku, without sujood and the nature that it is, Something which is permissible, so um, those are the main matters which come to mind. As I said, uh, uh, right now it is manageable, we're available to make the ghusl, we're available to guide them towards the burial. Naturally, there won't be the the digging of a lahad or there won't be the the turning of the body towards the qibla, etc. etc. But these are not requirements, these are not obligatory requirements, these are sunnah acts that we prefer. So the body should be buried and the body can be buried before the janazah is prayed, but there is no reason that the janazah should be delayed. In the masjid, as soon as a person passes away, then that janazah should be then prayed, and then the body then be buried according to the local health authority rules at that time in order to protect the rest of the masses. So in my mind, that's a summary of the matters that I dealt with today, and I think that will matter to the people moving forward over the next few weeks. This will increase hugely. I want you to be aware that uh, it is clearly targeting the, those who are infirm, those who have preconditions. And as you know, this virus um, hasn't even had a chance to mutate yet. We're actually all being taken down by its original form. And it will become a norm. It will become that seasonal fifth kind of uh, respiratory virus like the cold virus and the flu virus. And eventually we'll get it under control. But the problem is, is that it's taking too many people at the same time. And the hospitals, hospitals do not have the ability to cope with the amount of respiratory care that's required. Uh, for each individual case. So uh, general advice, I'm not going to repeat that to you with respect to you know, isolation and being careful and cl- uh, being clean and not having to necessarily uh, shake hands, and that's quite fine. The use of... Uh, by the way, there's a lot of f- focus on alcohol, uh, sanitizers, blah, blah. Uh, alcohol is a pure substance. It's allowed to use on your hands, but people forget that this is not a bacteria. Bacteria are, have a real problem against alcohol. Viruses not much so. They will. It is effective, but nothing close to soap. And nothing close to the mechanical, physical action. Which is why there's a lot of basic actions that can prevent this. So, for example, physically, as I said, suppressing your cough entirely is, um, is very successful. Physically, really rubbing your hands hard is very successful. Making sure that your throat, for example, is wet all the time. There is a idea people think it's an old wives' tale, but... The idea that uh, people get more ill when the AC is on is not something which is just anecdotal. It's clear that the membranes are dried out further and it allows for basic uh, conditions for viruses in some way that we don't understand to get a a, a greater chance of infecting that person, which is why so many of us get a cold or a sore throat when we are in those uh, environments. So drinking lots of water and staying fit and healthy, eating well, is making sure that your immune system is good. And that goes triple for our elderly at this moment in time. We need to protect the elderly most. Are there any specific questions that are linked to the issue of the deceased uh, in their state? Yes. Yeah. So the question is, is that in the next few weeks we are expecting a uh, uh, a government at, at least at least pressure and possibly an obligation to close places like Masajid because of the gathering of people. Now, the fact is, is that, is that actually the right thing to do for small gatherings? Um, Allah, Allah knows best. If people are responsible, then there should be no reason for that. However, people aren't responsible either. We know that every single day, people are coughing all over the place. They don't get it. They don't want to accept it. So it's an acceptable ruling and it's an acceptable Islamic practice as well for the masjids to be closed. And that is that is a sense of emergency, such as the condition now in China and in Iran and in Italy, then that is an acceptable ruling for Masajid to be closed. And that doesn't affect anything legally other than the Juma prayer because it's not obligatory to attend the regular prayers anyway, but the Juma prayer is important. And in this case, then people will pray Dhuhr on a continuous basis until the Masajid or gathering, public gatherings are allowed. And I want to say that um, if there is a Muslim community that can't go into a masjid but the weather is good enough for them to have a gathering outside um, for the local community I mean then that's something which is good to reinstate if that is permissible
1: Yes? Uh, with regards to coming to the masjid uh, whilst having a non-contagious disease mm-hmm. uh, they ask some of the that that's more rewarded that if you attempt to come to the masjid if you have a non-contagious disease based on the fact that somebody became elderly and
0: he yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about that because everybody has aches and pains and ill and tired and whatever, whatnot. If people do not have contagious diseases, of course you're required to come to the masjid. Even though coming
1: to the masjid might
0: make you worse. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Because what is illness? Illness is a trial from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ described that in a number of hadith. And the people who are patient with it, who maintain their worship during it, then they are increased in reward and those who decrease in those actions if they had high level of ibadah before they became ill they get the same amount of reward during their illness that's the the hadith of the prophet ﷺ. if a person then finds it's too much they don't have to come this is all because you're not a danger to anyone else but if you are becoming a burden to other people or a danger then of course it's not permissible to attend the masjid but for non-contagious conditions and diseases this is a time actually where muslims uh, uh, from their own experience will know that they find it better to worship Allah, easier to worship Allah, they feel more closer to Allah because you feel dependent, you feel more weak, you feel desperate. Um, you know, people who have fever and uh, whatever in sajda, you really really feel the pain, you really feel that, that weakness and that dependency upon Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So it's a great time to increase ibadah and dua, but not when it gets to the danger of other people in terms of contagion or anything like that. Any other issues? Yes? Yeah, so th- 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 I mean, obviously, it's a joke, you know, that uh, people are only starting to take it seriously once the toilet rolls have run out and once the end of their football matches are, are called off. Now, suddenly, people are seeing it as, as a crisis, okay? Uh, but there is a serious point in panic buying as well. It is not permissible to buy to a level that hurts the rest of the community. This is actually not permissible. So, there is a fine line. I mean, there are some people who, like myself, uh, uh, j- just to take an example, I am a bulk buyer anyway. I don't go to the supermarket every week. I like to go once every two months, every three months, and I buy certain items I eat a lot or use a lot, and I buy five, ten at a time. So that's something which is normal bulk buying. Anything above that which is now causing panic, which is leading to shortages, which is leading to fighting, this is not permissible. This is not permissible. Uh, And especially when uh, it's clear that the item itself is not actually an essential, but rather some of the just... Uh, you know whims of the desi- of, of of people's desires or or whatever and allah knows best all right we'll call that zakmolakh khair right so we're going to continue with the the dars uh, we can we can ask questions by the way um, we can we can continue on that uh, uh as well do you want to finish that off first actually let's finish off that that first side because that, that that's a video that i don't want it to be too long that's done now um and there's no questions here where oh, sorry. any questions uh, further any other uh, points that people want to discuss yeah I need, now that it's off the camera okay yeah put this thing this way yeah yeah th- no no they won't it, it won't get to a stage where they won't allow burial unless it became silly numbers if it became silly numbers then there would be rules on incineration and this and that but it, it's not, that, it's not a plague, and I don't think it would hit that number because, quite frankly, uh, the way that the weather's going, um, and Allah knows best, who knows about that, but certainly in the, the majority of countries, the summers are getting a lot hotter. Spring is becoming very more pronounced. We've seen the most ridiculous winter this year where it was absolutely, you know, I don't think it went below zero any single day. We had a crazy amount of rain, which is an indication of, again, of a warmer planet as well. So, um, yeah, I think the weather is going to probably slow things down. And that's the whole reason why the government uh, is doing what it's doing. You know, obviously, people are anti-government, pro-government, blah, blah, blah. I personally think that they've got it absolutely spot on. I think that the NHS management, that's my personal opinion, I think they're doing a really good job. They are waiting and delaying the second stage to the very right time because there is an economic and health uh, uh, social ben- uh, uh, cost, and it's got to be uh, uh, married up against the, uh, the effectiveness. And a lot of people just think that it's just about uh, money. It's not. Uh, uh, actually, let me tell you something. From a virology point of view, if you go too early and create isolation to the mass level and reduce the number in the immediate sense right now, you'll get two epidemics in this year. That's what they're trying to avoid. So, if you go too early, you take the risk of creating two huge peaks. You go, allow it to kind of go, and the first is to get everyone ready to, to know you're going to get infected. That's the information stage. The second is to ensure that now that everybody has accepted they're going to get infected, to allow that infection to be part of a control that we can as best control it, which means that you go too early, then we're going to have a peak, two peaks, and the only, like I said, the, the condition is not a serious one. It's killing people only because it peaks and we can't deal with the very sick because we can't give them enough oxygen. We, we don't have enough respirator, respirators or we don't have enough services to, to administer oxygen to those who can't breathe. So the idea is to try and delay that, that, uh, the on, onset of that peak to a level where they can increase their resources, where the weather can have a positive effect, where immune systems are uh, better. So um, it will get more serious. Which is why I, I thought that the video is important Because they are going to now be, be asking the question Do you have to make what's answers answer clearly that as it stands Yes with hazmat material But if they start putting conditions on Then no um, And that's, 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 that's the difficult part of this Yeah. At what level do you say something is a necessity Right Right Is me Being isolated for 14 days Because I washed someone's body Acceptable You know what I'm saying and some people will say, yeah, you take one for the team, that's, that's what it is I say, absolutely not It's not acceptable for any human being uh, to even be imprisoned or isolated for one day Let alone 14 days, I'm talking healthy people, right? And if we're going to say that because there are people out there that can And should be expected to spend 14 days in isolation Therefore everybody has to make ghusl This is unacceptable, This is not fiqh That's not fiqh based in reality anyway so, I want you to appreciate that there's going to be some subjective interpretations of what is necessity. Soon it will get to, n- n- it won't be about that. Soon it will be about the uh, ability for the one who's washing to be able to protect themselves because of lack of masks or lack of, resp- lack of protective equipment. That's the stage you will get to. Um, it's all over, Sumira. Just you can find it, whatever. Public Health England site, the WHO site, the papers, the academic site is very good. Um, why is Yasir on TikTok? The guy's getting desperate, that's why. He's lost all his fans, yeah, he's, so he's, try, he's, he's, he's trying the kids now, you know what I mean? See, all, of, all, 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 all of our generation realise he's got Dajjul Fatwa, so, he's, so yeah, let, me, let, me, let me just see if the kids can work it out. Um, yeah, so that was something I wanted to uh, uh, answer, subhanAllah. I forgot about that. The issue of shaving the beard, yeah? Uh, now, people have been thinking that's, that's it, it's some joke, but it's not a joke, actually. Any mask put on a beard, any mask, is not sealed, right, by definition. I mean, obviously, at the same time, next man's going to have to come and sneeze right in your flippin' cheek, yeah? But, but it's not sealed. You're not 100% whatever, and especially if it's all over, you know, the room and you're going around, etc. So I do think that it is permissible for the clipping of beards and whatever, but not for the shaving of. I do not believe it is permissible to shave one's beard uh, unless there is someone, unless on an individual basis, there is an individual practitioner who is absolutely essential in the fight against it, and for a small period of time, that person needs protection, then maybe there's space for that. But on mass, as a fatwa for all the you know, doctors, and ambulance workers, and all the rest of it, to go and shave their beards? nah man, that's a madness. But to clip it down to create a, a better seal, because longer hair is softer, that's not good enough, shorter is gonna be you know, tighter, you can get a uh, whatever. Remember when it comes to the obligation of the beard, that the obligation is to not shave. Not to have a very long one like this, or to have a bushy one, or to have a designer one, or to whatever. The obligation of a man. It is completely impermissible for a man to shave. Completely impermissible. And absolutely obligatory for a woman. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> but completely haram for a man. I've said that maybe so many times, people yeah, never expect that line to come. You yeah, I mean? I don't know why. They should know that it's going to come after But they're thinking So uh, so, But but for a man it's not permissible to shave However And so he must grow a beard And a beard is not You know What do they call it? A 95 shadow? What's the Shaz what do you used to call it? used to do it?
1: Five o'clock <laughs> Five o'clock shadow Five o'clock Yeah, you know Shaz used to do <laughs> Shaz never did a five o'clock shadow I'm just making, But you know Whenever I think of anyone doing anything dodgy, Shazad's face comes in <laughs> 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 This is Shararati I can't get out of my system, yara. I don't know what the One Asal bandai is One asul is Top guys Anyway
0: So it's got to be uh, a beard Meaning that there's something after three or four days where a person If they're doing an identikit kind of description of their robber They say that he had stubble or he had a light beard yeah? So it's a community judgment. The second, where a person moves on from a hasn't sh- hasn't shaved for a few days to a beard, and that's actually quite short, to be honest. Yeah, if it's kept and well, that's the basic minimum requirement. But it's certainly, of course, to be a proper beard. Yeah.
1: So hospitals are now saying for all staff
0: who are going to be uh, front Yeah. And anyone who's on call, um, they have to be cleanly shaved. Complete. Complete. And that's all health authorities. Saying? Yeah. yeah i mean it makes sense it makes sense um even I, 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 it makes sense to me that only clean shaven is going to give a complete fit uh, and in my opinion uh, these doctors need to take themselves off frontline and if there is no option but to be frontline for those particular people then i think there's some space for that i think it's permissible due to the necessity it's not it's not it's not a permanent state it's not uh whatever and uh, you know, I, and by that, by that, I mean that it is the minimum required. You don't need to take everything off. You can do one of those Wolverine jobs, you know.
1: No, honestly, they they say everything.
0: Get out of him. And are they going to judge your sideburns?
1: Honestly.
0: What are they going to say? They're going to say this is an acceptable sideburn, but that's not genuine Yes. because it's going to this to up to this level.
1: Hmm. Up to here. Somewhere around here.
0: Hmm. Yeah, then uh, as I said, so if someone has to be frontline, it, it, it is a job which is halal. The, you see, just to give you an understanding, because you're students of knowledge, you need to know how to answer this kind of question. The way to answer the question is to look at the job, its need, its nature, and then the situation, the three aspects. The need for uh, uh, the job is that a person needs it to, uh, uh, so, so th- a, a classic, classic example of what I mean by need, a male, in a normal family structure has to work that job because you're supporting this family. If it was a female, she doesn't. She should then take off leave. She wouldn't if she's not the one supporting that family. If it's a girl who's supporting the family by herself, not married, blah, 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 then the role will be reversed. That's need. Second nature, is the job itself permissible in the whole? Answer is yes, medicine, doctors, nurses the majority of their job is halal and the, the ruling is based upon the majority. Number three, the situation. Is it a permanent one or temporary? Answer is permanent and Temporary, it is permissible. Is the need yani, something meaning the situation has become a crisis across the, 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 the nation? The, the answer is yes. And for that reason, temporarily, it is something yani, these are maxims. Um, when the situation becomes restricted, the ruling becomes uh enlarged or spacious and the difficulty makes the situation easy so i think it's permissible in a small restricted temporary specific way uh yeah there we go when we're saying that by law they won't fit a mask if they're okay there you go everyone's making that very clear Danielle, you see your guy is there Danielle on board he doesn't come to the masjid yeah and he's around the corner the fish right any other questions lala is there anyone further down or are we done are we done? Right Yes, go on uh, Is there any du'a that we can uh, Nothing which is There are some specific du'a Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said اللهم إني أعوذ بك There are some spef- specific du'a that can be said And uh, and also the, 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 the Sunnah of the Prophet alayhi sallam uh, uh, This is a du'a which recited or azkar that recited three times in the morning, three times in the evening is a general protection. But I think that it is more important for people not to learn the specific but to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection from the coronavirus. You know, a lot of folks, they kind of think I've got to only say something or is there only something which is in the sunnah which is obviously good because you get more reward for that but i want uh, to explain that dua has two objectives one is to get rewarded by it which is not what people think the second objective is to get what you want in your dua yep the majority of us uh, uh, thankfully do not get what we want thankfully okay and so therefore, we should be starting to reset our mind To hopefully please Allah by our dua And Allah loves people who make dua Allah loves that we ask Him That we ask Him alone That we ask Him in the best ways And so therefore, we should not uh, um, wait For the specific exact wording um, But say, in our own language as well Ya yeah, Allah protect me from the coronavirus Ya yeah, Allah protect the elderly from the coronavirus Ya yeah, Allah, and so on and so forth Yeah? Yeah, all right, let's go. So Fatiha, folks. Okay, let's read. We've got some new uh, st- uh, notes. Daniel just wrote us all off. He said you can't be too careful with coronavirus, basically. Look at that. See, this is Shazad's family quality. This is Shazad's brother-in-law, by the way. It's in the family. It just comes down. These sentiments. Shazad, by the way, I
1: think he's practicing isolation. This is the first time he's come to the masjid. There's going to be so many jokes available in this, in this whole thing. How do you make decision when to laugh? and when to Yani, cry about it. That's a disaster,
0: isn't it? I'm going to be honest, I don't care how many people die, I'm going to still laugh and joke about it. Can you believe Bobby Jelani today? Yani, because I'm battering him in Fantasy League by 100 points, so he went all out, he used all his chips, Yani, to try and get this game on, on, this, on this
1: Wednesday. Van City Arsenal. Obviously that got cancelled. So the Pendu he literally begged the Fantasy League. He wrote them an email. So please can you reinstate my chip seeing as you canceled? So they gave him one tapper like this. Did his full bestie and obviously they did his full bestie. I'm gonna make his bestie public, innit? That's my right. That's my right.
0: If I get informed, if something arrives at my phone, it's my property. So don't be sending stuff to my phone and then saying, why'd you go and put it up? Because once it comes, my phone is a public device. My phone is a public device, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Anyway. Uh, 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 Text. Bab, we're still actually in the chapter of the prayer. Couple of more sections left. Two subsections left, actually. The the arkan and the obligations. Uh, And then we move into the next chapter. Probably next year, to be honest, which is sujood al-sahum. Sajd al yeah? So, Bab, sifat al-salat, description of the prayer. The section that we're in is arkan of salat the pillars of the prayer. Arkanuha Al Kiamu, what Tahima to Walfati had to Walroco or Waletedalu Anu, was Sujudo Alla Adai Saba, Waletedalu Ann. While Julusu Baina Sajdetani, what to Matnina, what to Matnina to Filcul, what the Shahudel Ahir, Wal Jil Sato, Wasolato Alanabis on the Law, Mafi, what Tartibu, what Teslimu. Its pillars are the pillars of the prayer are fourteen. Alright, number one, to stand Number two, the opening takbir, the tahrima Number three, the fatiha Go up uh, Go up a minute Interesting mm. Just so that you know I think in some versions of Zad That some people might memorize It might have Wa qira'atul fatiha The recitation of fatiha Which is a more accurate and correct way to say it by the way But we'll come back to that in a second. Number three, the Fatiha. Number four, to bow. Number five, to return to the standing position after bowing. Number six, to prostrate on the seven limbs. Number seven, to sit back up from prostrating. Number eight, to sit between the two prostrations. Number nine, to be in a still, relaxed state during every action. Number ten, the final tashahud. Number eleven, to sit during the tashahud Number 12 To send salutations on the Prophet wasallam during it Number 13 When Shazad Salim wakes up To maintain the order of these actions And number 14 To say the taslim. To say the tasleem Now I just want you Before I jump into the text I want you to look at this list Okay uh, Those who have been studying with me for a long time Especially al-Maghrib classes Will know a very important principle As a student don't take numbers too seriously. There are some of you who are gonna say, right, that's it, nice and cool, which you should by the way, I'm gonna remember the 14 essentials of the prayer. And what you, what you memorize more is the fact that they're 14 rather than the essentials of the prayer. And one man's 14 is another man's 10. And one man's 10 is another man's 16. So don't get too fixated by the numbers. For example, to prostrate on the seven limbs and to sit back up from it could be one, couldn't it? It's all about the sajda. But we've split it up you know, to create, create two individual ones. Right? The final tashahud and to sit in it. That's actually what the Arabic says. If you look at the Arabic, bring it up, lala. Is that rain outside? Oh my goodness gracious. Right. What tashahud al akhiru wal Yani. The final tashahud and the sitting in it. Or the sitting of it. So that's really actually one sentence. You know what I'm saying? But in actual fact, uh, scholars like to split them up individually So I'm just saying that this really could be 12 or 10 or 9 It doesn't matter about the number, it's about the content That's a very important lesson when it comes to numerical lists and sharia And even, this maybe is understandable Even more so when you've got scholars, you know that, I mean, scholars, speakers especially Not so much scholars, but speakers uh, and lecturers, you know, who like to Speak and to wow the people They want to make things easier to understand And to teach So they'll be using this a lot There are three types of heart There are five levels of the Salah There are seven levels of Iman This is just speech talk It's not something from the Quran and Sunnah Do You get you know what I'm saying? Yep. Alright, let's uh, get into this then uh, We are on page in the uh, We didn't start Fahdihah, did we? We didn't start Fahdihah, did we? Yeah? I'm sure we did, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's Fatiha. All right, so that's 296 in Al Mumtah, folks, okay? Al Mumtah, 296. Al Fatiha. A qira'atul Fatiha. The recitation of Fatiha. This is the third pillar of the prayer, and it's a rukan in both prayers, the Fard and the Nafal prayers, okay? Um, what is the Fatiha? The Fatiha is the surah Al Latif Biha Al Qur'an Al Kareem. uh, uh, By the way, uh, in this section we've spoken a lot about it In the description of the prayer at the beginning of the year Alright, so uh, And last year as well So you can go back and revise all of the issues and whatever You know my opinion that we should recite Bismillah ar-Rahim as part of the Fatiha That is all something which is And we covered all the the legal aspects about it and so on on. Fatiha is the surah which opens the Quran As the Sheikh says And he's also said that we've spoken about this already So we're not going to repeat that And every And this is Sheikh speaking and this is the humbly opinion being represented here as well. Every single prayer, every single person must recite it. So its recitation is a ruqan in every prayer by every person. And there are no exceptions for the one who is, for example, praying by himself or praying behind an imam or the imam himself. Because your aql is going to say the exception will be for the guy who's praying behind the imam. Yeah, because the imam is reciting for him. No one's expecting the one who prays by themselves or the imam to not recite it. That's obvious. But what about if you're praying behind the imam? We're going to have a big discussion about that, okay? Are there any exceptions to anybody reciting Surah al in as a rukkan in every prayer? Are there any exceptions? <laughs> huh? No, but they still have to go... Uh, so just on that point, if a person physically can't recite... And by the way, again, a reminder, it is not permissible to recite Fatiha with your mouth closed. Okay? A lot of people do that. All right? In fact, someone that I was standing next to in my prayer today was doing that. Okay? And I'll have a word of them afterwards. I know who they are. And I will be speaking to them. The uh, salah has to be recited. You don't need to say it out loud. But it should be known that you've recited it. Okay? So,
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> be careful Allah, there's ammunition coming your way the,
0: um, So it has to be recited It just doesn't need to be You need to move your mouth with it That's the first part what is, uh, If you can't Because you, are, uh, you have a speech condition Or you have some physical condition Then you still have to go through the motions Okay, Whatever the limit is So who is the exception that does not need to recite the Fatiha? The person? The one who's following the Imam? The one following the imam? No, not, not yet. Who, uh, the imam, but the ruku. Correct, yeah. So there are two people who all the scholars, well, not all the scholars, but certainly the Hanbalis, the Shafi'i's, the Malikis and Hanafis, they accept exempt, sorry. They are two. The one who joins the salah in ruku, and the one who joins the salah too late to finish the Fatiha. So that might be five seconds before ruku. Yep. Now, there are some scholars. I, I, we'll come to that. I, I think there's a section that where Sheikh uh, speaks about that. Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway. So Sheikh's going in full. He's not giving any exception or exemption. He said that every single person has to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, whether behind Imam or not, no exception why because of the hadith of the prophet sallallahu la salata liman lam yaqra kitab hadith which is uh, uh, super authentic and its reference is hadith uh, al-bukhari and uh, 756 and muslim 394 no la salata لمن لم يقرا بفاتحة الكتاب. There is no prayer for the one who has not recited, by, with, has not recited, there is no prayer for the one who does not or has not recited the opening of the book. The opening of the book is the Fatiha. It's a very clear hadith. Now, last Salata, there is no, and here it means there is no prayer. You know the word la in Arabic? La is of different types. Yeah, You can have la, نفي nafi, la, الجنس jins, la, la, which is yani, saying, la taf'al. Yeah? This is a la, which is la of nahi. This is don't, the, 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 the la of don't. Then la nafi is the la of there isn't, yani, denying the presence of something. Right. So the, uh, there are many different types. So the La itself is of different types. How do we determine what is the intention of the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith? And this of course is the reason why scholars differ. You know, not only do scholars differ over the meaning of hadith which leads to two different actions because one person understands it one way, one understands it a different way. Just the import of the hadith. The classic one is don't pray Asr until you get there. You know, that, that classic hadith. And um, scholars... Uh, the companions understood it completely differently right? nothing to do with the Arabic language but they thought that the, what the some said the Prophet actually means that others said well, he doesn't really mean that he means don't delay so if we can go quicker then we can do it right? so that's just an understanding issue then you've got differences of actually understanding what type of language is being used then you've got differences maybe a companion hasn't heard a hadith so he's going to rule on what he knows and the other one who has heard the hadith is going to rule on what he knows So there are many reasons for difference of opinion Of why we get differences of opinion This is one of them What is the lamb here for? Now there are When you have lamun nafi Lam nafi basically means the lamb Which is uh, uh, invalidating the presence of something Okay You And I'm going to read this This is so beneficial SubhanAllah Okay He says Wal aslo nafi What's nafi? Negation. That the basic principle in negation An nafyan lil the number one status quo when you say when you negate something is you negate its existence, when you negate it in sharia in the language. So when you use the, the Arabic language and you say the word la of nafi when you negate something, you're negating its existence. And then if you're not doing that, for inlam yakun. If, sorry, فَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ Right? If it's there, if the thing is possible to exist, then, then the second level of negation is the negation of its validity. Alright? And then the third level, if the thing is there and the thing is valid, then you're negating its completion or its completeness or its Perfection You're negating its perfection You're saying that it's an imperfect act But it's valid and it's present Does that make sense, what I just said? So the Sheikh shaykh gives the example He goes, for example If you said La واجب الوجود إلا الله Now um, We haven't studied aqeedah Or most of us haven't Okay, And therefore there are certain terms and phrases That are going to be new to you واجب الوجود Is a phrase that you come across When you study aqeedah but it's not even from Ahl Sunnah. That's from Ahl Bid'ah and the philosophers and Ahl Kalam and all these nonsense people that they sit there and they come up with all these fancy clauses and you know get obsessed with Greek Roman Greco Roman nonsense. Wajib al Wujud is known in English or known in academia as Asiety. Asiety, if you want to look into it, A S E I T Y, A S E I T Y, Asiety. I don't even know how that, if it's pronounced like that. It might be Asiety. I don't know. Okay. It refers to the concept of something existing by of itself, not dependent upon anything else. Okay? In Islam, we didn't need to have this concept, but if people are gonna put the concept on us, then we will say, yeah, okay, then we understand the concept, and there's la wajib al-wajud illallah. Very good. If we're gonna talk about this concept, then there's no such thing that is obligated to exist. In of itself, except Allah Only Allah has no beginning, no endpoint. Is the first, is the last By himself, Jalla Allah, Intrinsically, he is obligated to exist in of himself Everything else, everything else Is not wajib al-wujud Everything else has a start point Or an end point Or both Okay? So there are animals, for example That have a start point and an end point you have human beings, if you look at it from one point of view, they have a start point and an end point. Or then you have, or then you have human beings in the akhirah, they have a start point and no end point. You know this kind of thing. Everything has, but nothing has a no start point, no end point, not conditional, no, no clauses, no cause of their existence except Allah. So when we say, La uh, لا لا الوجود wujud illallah, so this is the nephew of wujud. Okay? this is basically there's no possible existence except Allah that, in, that is intrinsically existing so that is the first example of how you use the negation of the negating la okay or for example la khaliqu إلا الله all right there is no creator except Allah there's no creator that exists except Allah so this is yani about presence then we have another hadith la salata بغير wudu Someone now explain to me what category this falls into and why. Which you will be able to answer if you, if you understood what I've said so far. It, the second, the second one, which is? It
1: exists, but it's not
0: valid. Because? What's your evidence for saying that? Because uh, you can have a salah, you can have a physical salah, uh, or the action of salah don't. Excellent. Okay? The last salat bighayr wudu' is translated as There is no prayer without wudu' Right, so now we've got to work out What does this last Salata mean? Does it mean the first one? That there is no prayer? Well, the answer to that is no Because it's possible to pray without wudu' It's physically possible, isn't it? Yeah? But, so therefore it can't mean the first one So now we look at the second one It must be the second one It goes in like a defining order So now it's last Salata bighayr wudu' Which means that the prayer is not valid without wudu. That is how you translate correctly. And that's where mistranslation comes in because people don't understand the Arabic language, neither the Islam, the, the shari'i implication. Another hadith. If a person says, "La there is no prayer in the presence of food. All right? If I said to you, there is no prayer in the presence of food. What is that? Third, why? Because there is food right there. So it can't be the first one.
1: Oh, so the right there, be
0: the one. Sorry, I beg your pardon. The, 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 the salah is right there, so it can't be the first one.
1: Valid.
0: Correct. We know, and we've covered ourselves, that there is no condition of food absence for the prayer to be valid. We know that for food to not be there is not part of the conditions of the prayer so therefore we've got rid of laun nafi the nafi of wujud we've got rid of the nafi siha what we only have is the third one which is nafiul kamal which basically is the negating of the perfection of the act so this act of salah is a poor one a disliked one a makroo prayer it's a not a very impressive prayer it was a door number prayer because Yes, it's valid. Yeah, we're not going to make you repeat the prayer, but it's shameful what you did. The food was there on the table. You rushed it because the food was on the table. What you should have done is to eat the food and enjoy the prayer properly. But we're not going to make that person pray again. Have you understood that now? Because there's an evidence to to prove to us that the food is not a condition. So... that is the, the yeah, that's the uh, uh, that, that evidence is brought into play after we establish that it's not a condition for for um, but, but validity. But
1: to make it part of number
0: three. Yeah. Has to be an evidence so this is a good question. To give it the category of three, does there need to be an evidence? Now, imagine that was the hadith. That is the evidence. La <laughs> that's not a hadith, by the way. But if that was, that would be the evidence. But there are other hadith, of course. The person should yani, not yani, fight his to and, and, and. So those are the evidences. So those evidences are helping us. If a teacher was to say, بحضرت بحضرت if a person said that, regardless of its hadith or not, we know what the ruling is. And therefore, or we know the reality of that. What's actually, what Sheikh Amin is actually trying to do more is not worry about whether the hadith is there or not, but he's me. looking at that text. Imagine that was the hadith. Oh, so it's, let's say
1: there's no hadith.
0: So if there is no hadith. At all, even the one that we know. Yeah, was. okay. Let's say that, there, so this is good. Let's say there's not a single hadith on the issue of food being a problem in the prayer. Okay? And we come across a statement is that going to be a hadith or not is this going to be a person statement uh,
1: no statement at all
0: oh but uh, then this is arguments uh, is diff- 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 it's not relevant then we are only debating this argument in the use of the word la okay. yeah yeah this is not a, a, an issue of the fiqh discussion no, no. Any use of the negating lamb, the lamb of negation, that goes through a process where it is not possible for it to be the law of Nafil Wujud or the La of Nafil uh, uh siha would then be given the idea of Nafil Kamal. And by the way, even this would have an exemption if, for example, direct evidence contradicted it. So it is possible, and this is this is by the way why scholars differ, right? What do you give priority to? the rules of the Arabic language and we stick to it and we refuse to take any uh, direct evidence or do we say this direct evidence which is contradicting this basic rule in grammar is showing that this is an exception to the rule. Other scholar will say, how can you have an exception to a grammatical rule? This will overcome that all the time. This hadith must be abrogated. And actually you're gonna see some examples of this discussion a little bit later, Ibrahim. Yes Yep. Yeah. Wait Wait a minute <laughs> Wait a minute So wait a minute The Ramadan Maghrib is too short In the masjid or you mean just generally? Oh in the masjid Right So you've come to the masjid And you the, the adhan is gone And what are you asking now? Should they eat first Or should they pray first? Because people eat Yeah yeah, yeah Okay, I, don't th- I think that's okay I think that is, yeah, yeah Because I don't, I don't know anyone who eats more than 10-15 minutes Right? Have I got that one wrong? It's about 10-15 minutes, isn't it? Well, I makes it out there. And everyone's munching as quick as possible Just that, Whatever, whatnot. Get the, if you know, if you, it's a good day Someone's bought some barfi and whatever right. Some more here and there and then people like you know cleaning their teeth while they're standing. The,
1: uh, the bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what happens there? A five, five,
0: De- five, five minutes. Yeah. No,
1: it's proper
0: meal in it. Yeah, it's a proper meal. Yeah, meal. meal. Bengalis don't mess about with that behavior, bro. I mean, they they mean. do not mess about. No, if if go go BP, huh? Yeah, ten minutes. No, that's a different level, bro. Yeah, and those who eat Kujur and then come back for Salah That's something else We're talking about those that are saying Eat before That's what happens in a lot of Masajid yeah. Not the Bengali ones though, huh? Yeah, not in the Bengali ones They will pray Yeah,
1: Sha'ap <coughs> Yeah, they
0: eat Papa and then pray Oh, sick
1: Let's go there, been there with me, man. Oh, have I? Yeah, okay, okay you huh? yeah, huh? you No, no they eat proper. And they take
0: their time. I'm telling you, you Shut up, 25. Bengali's <laughs> delayed Maghrib by 25 minutes. Have you lost your mind, bro? Proper, proper. Food. Bro, I don't care. 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, man. Ibrahim, what have you started, man? What are we trying to do and what are you talking about, man? No, no. It's, uh, listen, Salat al Maghrib has some flexibility. It has some flexibility. It's good to pray within the first 15 minutes. But if there's a reason for it, person's traveling in, person's are in the middle of food, whatever, it can be extended to 20, 25 minutes. It's not a major issue. But the sunnah is to pray Maghrib between 10-15 minutes. Okay, that's a sunnah to pray quickly. All right. So, so then, the, so the statement of the Prophet if we put it into this yani, category, it's clear. It's not about existence. It's clear about the validity. So therefore. This hadith basically means that um, any person who does not recite the Fatiha, then their prayer is invalid. Then their prayer is invalid. And this hadith is general and there are no exceptions to it. And with respect to the general evidences, then they are to remain in their generality. And they are to remain in their generality and cannot be specified or given exemptions except with a direct specific evidence. All right, and that's something we know. So we can't just yani, ignore this hadith. We can't yani, specify unless a specific, authentic, clear, equal strength or higher strength evidence yani, uh, uh, introduces, uh, introduces a exemption. What is that exemption? Uh, we're gonna come to this later, but I've already said, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever catches the record and they caught the record. That's a direct evidence which can't be ignored. That person, that, that's the hadith is saying that if you catch the Imam in ruku', by definition, that means you haven't recited the Fatiha, you've actually caught the whole Raqqa'a. That is an exemption. Di- direct, clear evidence. Other than that, it's got to be that clear, that specific to be an exemption. All right. Sheikh says, what if someone says there is a dilil, there is an evidence which specifies yani, this issue? And that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Surah Al-A'raf, verse number 204 when the, Quran recite, when the Qur'an is recited, then listen to it carefully and be silent in order that you may receive mercy Imam Ahmed, in his tafsir of this verse, he says that there is a consensus that this is in the prayer there is a consensus that this is referring to in the prayer. Okay. Now, the Sheikh says, if someone puts this argument forward, what are we going to say? Now, by the way, you understand the argument, right? If the Quran is being recited, you have to listen to it and be silent, which, by definition, means you can't be reciting. How can you be reciting and listening and being silent at the same time? Correct. Understood the argument? What does Sheikh Uthaimin say? He says that the jawab, the answer to that, is أن هذه ayah عم, this is um, a general verse which is including being silent um, when anyone is reciting the Qur'an As for the Fatiha That's an exemption Sheikh Uthameen is saying and this is what's a really difficult issue I don't think we have to clarify all today Sheikh is saying, but there is an exemption to this Yes, you should listen carefully to the Qur'an as the ayah says No doubt about that And you should be silent, no doubt about that But the Fatiha is exempted from this ayah What's his evidence? He goes, we have an evidence We have the hadith of the Prophet Hadith Ubad ibn Samit anhu. He said, sallallahu wa sallam. Um And in this hadith he says In this hadith he says In this version He says some prayers in which uh, He recited out loud In the other narration which is More specific It was Salatul Fajr Okay And He got mixed up in the recitation Getting confused uh, Mixed up It's not clear to what level did he Stutter, did he forget something? Did he mix two different ayat? But it got mixed up. فَلَمَنْ Sarafa, When the prayer was finished, he turned around and he said, and he faced them actually, proper turned around and said, هل بِالْقِرَاءَ You're actually reciting whilst I'm reciting out loud? Yani I'm reciting and you're reciting out loud? Right? So some of us said, or is narrating, yeah We do do that Ya Rasulullah We did like Yeah you're right Just owning up to it immediately And Nabi Sallallahu said Fala Don't do that Wa ana Ma li Don't do that Competing with me In the recitation of the Quran Yani the Quran is not a competition That you know Whose is going to be coming forth فَلَا تَقْرَأُوا بِشَيْءٍ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ إِذَا جَهَرْتِ So do not recite a single thing from the Qur'an when I am reciting إِلَّا بِأُمِّ الْقُرْآنِ other than the mother of the book which is Surah Al-Fatiha. This hadith, alright, is narrated let's listen to this full tahqiq proper. Narrated by Imam Ahmed, volume 5, hadith 316. Narrated by Abu Dawood in the chapter of the in the the book of prayer, chapter the one who leaves recitation in the prayer hadith number 824 narrated by uh, Imam al-Nasa'i in the uh, chapter of the recitation Mm -hmm. of Umm al-Qur'an behind the Imam when the Imam is reciting out loudly that's 919 in Nasa'i Imam al-Bayhaqi also uh, uh, narrated this in in a book which is called Al-Qira'a Khalf Al-Imam you see uh, he has a book on the recitation behind the Imam Why is, why is that? Well, online people will answer that, I know On site, Yanni will be thinking what's going on Why does Imam al-Bayhaqi have A book Titled Al-Qira'a Khalf imam Oh, uh, Khalf al-Imam, yeah Why do you think so? Al-Bayhaqi he is known as the, the second Shafi'i, the minor Shafi'i. He is like the defender of the Shafi'i Madhab. And the Shafi'is are the most hardcore in this issue. So you'll find yeah, and all the big players in the Madhabs always go big when it comes to defending their Imams on issues, writing books and all that kind of behavior. So we're expecting that from Imam al-Bayhaqi. I didn't even know this book existed. As soon as I saw Bayhaqi's name, I said, ah, there you go. Anyway, so he narrates that and uh, on page 36. And he said, إِسْنَادُهُ sahih is- 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 Yani, its chain is authentic And its narrators are all trustworthy So this hadith does not have many uh, Criticism against it actually I, I didn't find many scholars yani, I want to say to you That this is a difficult hadith For many scholars to deal with uh, uh, Lots The Malikis, the Hanafis especially And uh, I cannot remember Your first line of attack When you're under attack your opinions under attack, is to make the hadith weak of your opponent. That's an obvious place to start. Yep. You just go with it. But when you can't make the hadith weak, then you've got to try and flag it out. Yep. And try to make your evidence stronger. So they did not... I, I cannot remember seeing uh, this hadith uh, uh, being called out as weak. So this hadith is authentic. And it's making it very clear that the Prophet ﷺ does not want anything recited uh, 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 when he's reciting. Other than the fatiha and it is for this reason that in the Shafii school, and in the Hanbali school, and certainly in the school of Ahl al-Hadith, the number of the Muhaiddithin, it is and and also, yeah, and, and little individuals here and there in other Madahib, and a number of contemporary scholars and Sheikh Uthaymeen's opinion as well, it is absolutely obligatory for a person to recite Suratul al-Fatiha in every single possible position of the prayer whether you're praying alone whether you are praying behind whether you are the imam imam obviously and then when you are praying behind the imam in a silent prayer and then the killer when you're praying behind the imam in a loud prayer in a maghrib isha fajr as well all right we're going to now delve into this a little bit deeper but let's do we'll just pause there and uh we'll leave a suspense the position is this our ruling or not is it the class ruling or not? We'll see, isn't it? Right, let's do questions, yeah uh, So
1: what would you do in this scenario If you join the imam And the imam has recited uh, in the Fatiha Would you
0: give respect to the remainder of the imam party, According you... to these scholars According to the scholars Who say recitation of the Fatiha Is an absolute obligation For them, they never were able to support Their point by telling us how That a person's meant to do that because there's no evidence and so therefore and so therefore they're basically saying that they all come out with their own theories so some say you've got to do it in line with them others say every time he pauses which is a sunnah it's sunnah to go alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman rahim Maliki yawm we don't have hardly any narration of al Wasal. Alhamdulillahirabbil alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin arrahmanir rahim maliki yawmiddin iyyaka na'budu wa iyyaka nasta'in ihdinas siratal mustaqim this is wasl this is not the way of the prophet And so they use that as an evidence to say every time he stops they use arrahmanir rahim arrahmanir rahim maliki yawmiddin maliki yawmiddin that is what some of the shafii say others amongst the madhab they said that you say when he says amen and we discussed this at the beginning of the year that the prophet wasallam, used to pause so, there's an idea that in that pause you do it. But then, frankly, if you're going to be logical about it, what do you know if the Imam is going to recite a surah or not? It's not obligatory, is it? If you're joining the prayer, imagine, and you caught him halfway in the prayer, yeah, halfway in the fatiha, yeah, you don't know for certain whether he's going to decide to recite a surah, which, as we know, is not obligatory. So, if a person was going to wait, yeah, if you followed that opinion, he's going to miss out reciting surah of fatiha. So I think that he would have to start straight away, even though the Imam is in the middle. But we'd have to ask them, isn't it? Of course you'd have to, yeah. You know, just to give you, an em- just to emphasize this point, there are scholars that said that if a person joined the prayer late and he gave the whole Allah Akbar, Subhanakallahumma bihamdika wa tabarakasmuka wa ta'ala jadduka. And by the time he's gone to Uzbila mina shaitanir rajim, Bismillah Rahmanir, he goes, Allahu Akbar, imagine in Dhuhr, first raka'ah or second raka'ah, you have to pray the prayer again. Oh, meaning that raka'ah is to be repeated again. They said that you did not come under the exemption because the exemption is for the one who starts Fatiha. Because we know that the obligatory aspect of that, we know that Subhanakallahumma is not obligatory. Is okay. all right, but you should go. Allahu akbar. You should jump into that quick because you don't know when the imam is going to say. Now, if after just saying Alhamdulillah, he goes Allahu akbar, it's fine because you didn't waste time. But yani, you go in and you're giving all that behavior and making another one and chuck a little bit of And you know. <laughs> so they're saying you have to repeat that prayer, that, uh, repeat that rakaah. You didn't catch it. Of a surah. Of,
1: of, of Fatiha. Fatiha.
0: Yeah. Wallahi bro, I'd love to tell you that that's what it means, but because I'm not a big fan of this ruling, yeah, I can't tell you what they want you to do. If it's me, if it's me, I can tell you what I, I do sometimes is that, that I would say very quickly, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, like, like that, catch up, and then I would mouth with the Imam as he's reciting. Yeah. But that's the maximum I'm going to do. I'm not going to do this whole recitation by myself behavior. Yeah, but we come to that. So let's do questions. Yes. All right. How does Imam Ahmed put the argument forward of listening when the Quran being recited and then narrates the Hadith? So he narrated that.
1: Huh?
0: Yeah, Imam Ahmed is the. Uh, 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 uh. Oh right. Okay. i sorry. I understand. I understand. How is he using that evidence? And then you're going to see that explained next week. Basically, in short, Haris, Imam Ahmed is going, uh, Sheikh Uthameen is going to say what Imam Ahmed means is listening to the Quran other than the Fatiha. In the Salah. So listening to the Surah, listening to everything else. You know what I mean? That's what he's going to say. Right. Uh, In a message which my husband attends, the Imam said that the prayer is invalidated if the Imam pauses longer than X amount after Surah Al-Fatiha. Solange, we did this. Go back and check in the notes. And don't ask Mesa to, yeah, don't cheat, okay? We covered this before. Uh, is it permissible to pray alone if another person is leading people in salah? If it is too fast to, for you to follow, for example? That, yeah, I mean, you see, that second caveat changes the question, Asya, because it is, it is, there's two questions here. First of all, is congregational prayer obligatory if you're praying alone? Okay? I don't think it's obligatory. There are some scholars that consider it be obligatory and others that, uh, you know. If a person is praying by themselves, I do not believe that they are obligated to break their prayer. However, if that is a congregational masjid, meaning a local masjid like this, then I think they have to. Right? But let's say that it's one of the masajid, like uh, an airport mosque, for example. Or a uni mosque Where there's lots of congregations going on all the time Then I think you praying alone You don't have to break it But if you're praying in a local mosque A proper masjid Then absolutely you must Because there's a bigger issues there A lot of fitna that can be caused as well The second point is If it is too fast for you to follow Then you shouldn't be in that masjid You it it shouldn't be in that masjid You should not go and attend a masjid Where the imam is not capable of doing it properly And you're not able to pray yeah, Practically because it's up and down you know, Like these Ferrari Imams, or whatever they're called on YouTube, yeah? You shouldn't be in the masjid in the first place, and it's acceptable to not pray behind that person. When praying, uh, to correct people's understanding that the Imam is the only one, yeah, okay. When praying in congregation or with another person, if the Salah is silent, can you, should you, recite other surahs? Or should you be content that the person leading the Salah is reciting, though you cannot hear it? Good question. It is required, a sunnah, for you to recite your surah after the Fatiha regardless of we, whether you can hear it or not uh, Mesa first of all you're missing out on life not being a Bengali masjid number two it's just basically you know they'll make the Adhan and there's two types of mosques clearly from this discussion they eat straight after the Adhan full meal then pray or they have a quick cheeky and a bit of fruit bit of cut apples yeah why cut apples by the way I, I've never other than in Ramadan. Who cuts apples? Yes, you do. No, melon. What? We're not talking about upper class masajid like your lot, yeah? Where are there working class massages like this one here? All right? <laughs> right. Uh, what is the class position of a woman doing tasbih to draw attention if she's praying with women only? I think it is. Uh, uh, I, I think, as I said before, I think clapping and tasbih is allowed if she's with women only. Yep, 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 yep. Good, well done. I knew that online they'll get it right. Very good, very good. Right, I've been told that in the Hanafi opinion, uh, that in the absence of a Sultan, Jum'a prayer is not valid.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is what you'd expect someone like Hizb ut to say if they had any brains, yani, you know what I mean? That's their kind of argument. That Islam is yani, linked to the presence of individuals. Yeah. Uh, in some masajid, people still do the Jum'ah prayer but then establish duhir right after. That's the biggest bid'ah that we've seen, man. Killer bid'ah that. And it's actually a lot more common than you think, by the way. core, Bro, that's a lot more common. Right? So, no, no, because these are not naqli mosques. These are not Hanafi mosques. mosques. These are modern law You know, if you go to a proper Hanafi mosque, proper on the fiqh they're saying, we'll do the Jum'ah. Because that's what you gotta do. But because there's no sultan, then we're gonna pray the afterwards as well. Bro, they believe in their fiqh, bro, and they stand, they got standards, bro. They don't mess about. Anyway, where exactly is the reason behind this? Why would you need to live under sultan? You what are you asking me for? Do I look like What The fish? You have to say that I'm the Sultan of my house. Yeah, I mean. Ask me in my house if that happens. I'm Sultan of my house. Yeah, but not of Sultan of your Ummah. Although obviously. If it came to voting, you, you know How to fall in love with Abu Isa. You know what I mean? <laughs> Might well, yani, how to choose the Sultan I.e. Yani, Abu Isa. we should have that If self-isolation Was to become necessary, it could at least become A good opportunity to do In your home Dr. Deen yani, went and killed it one He made ittikaf in a home I don't know what's going on there, bruv At home is called al-i'tizal This is not i'tikaf, by the way Quarantine is called al-i'tizal same meaning for the word of isolation Yeah yeah. Everything, everything. Huh? Everything, everything. yeah. I don't know about that Someone's got to make some money somewhere, isn't it? I'll give it to the ladies there They like the colors, isn't it? That's a lady kind of version That's a lady suite This is the men's version You're a waste of space But you know what? Let me give you a line Let me give you a line What's the bat, bat thing line? Bat think? My. No, what's the line before it?
1: You can't harm me. So, yeah? My wings are like a shield of steel. No, shield of steel, yeah. You were in isolation already,
0: yeah. Rock, yeah, rock. Right. No, there's questions at the bottom, yeah, Oh, done, done, yeah, okay Going back to praying, standing up Why do people pray Nafal sat down? Like, insist on doing it Yeah, this insistence is not right, Lutz, yeah It's not right And the reward is not the same as standing The hadith, it's not Bengali thing It is um, an understanding that it's there So we've got to do it This is completely unacceptable, okay The, the hadith says that the one who sits yeah, and join Nafal prayers Gets half the reward of the one who stands And because it's permissible They kind of see it as, I've got to do it That's wrong, that's wrong all right, folks, I think we're done. Yeah? Are we done? Jazakumullah. Yes, yes, yes. Just so that you know, I spoke about a lot of the issues. Well, not a tiny amount, actually. But the fiqh of death is going to be an important class. It's going to be in about three weeks' time, 3rd of April, uh, in Bradford. If folks can make it, if you've got people who there to stay with, great. And if you're going to do the back and forth, well, it's an hour, isn't it? Yeah? weather shouldn't be too bad on the 62. In the night time, though, it is a bit of a panga. Although, although, be we'll be summer by then. Yeah. Maghrib will be like yeah, in half past seven. Mm-hmm. So you would be fine. Eight. Yeah, eight. Seven. Mm-hmm. Eight. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. there
1: half past three. Yeah. And at o'clock. Yeah. Why?
0: Why did they then go at three o'clock if that Oh, you mean the Jama'ah prayer was at 3.30, yeah. yeah. And, uh, in design, people to
1: to pray right. In yeah. Is that
0: acceptable? I think for a place like NYF, even they see that as acceptable. It's all about how a masjid sees itself. There are some masjid that don't take themselves too seriously because they know that they're in work areas or whatever and they're lax like that. Uh, it's not a good habit. However, if a masjid is seen as one for the people, one that's got people coming in and out, then it's fine. It's all about how the masjid is seen. It's not acceptable for a mosque like this, for example. Yeah? And if, and even a mosque like this has a lot of working people that come and pray, dhuhr here, they should pray that alone, not in congregation, which is my personal opinion. I don't like, even in those other types of mosques, I don't like praying congregations other than the original congregation. It's got to be respected, got to be protected. Yeah, so this question actually was asked by thingy as well last week And uh, Atif said that, you know, what's the issue with the sunnah? I want you to know, we're going to be coming to Jumu'ah obviously in detail But the brief answer is that I do not believe that there is any formal sunnah Either before or after the Jumu'ah prayer We do have some narrations that the Prophet ﷺ would go and pray sunnah at home But nothing in a masjid So if the, the, masjid, the Jumu'ah is happening in a masjid Then the Tahirat masjid the two raka'ah, that's it and if you, uh, uh, and then when a person goes home, then they pray two raka'ah or four raka'ah at home, at best. But as for formal sunnah, there is no hadith which indicate that in the masjid. I will go to as far to say that we have hardly any hadith that establish any sunnah prayer in the masjid. Like the two of Maghrib, like the two of Isha, like the, all of these, like the two of Fajr. These are all meant to be prayed at home. You're meant to pray your sunnah of Fajr before you come to the masjid. You're meant to go home after Maghrib and pray. The reason we pray in a masjid is because our homes are far and then by the time you drive, half an hour is gone and when you get home, might be a big headache. So it's allowed to pray. But the basic principle is sunnah is not to be prayed in a masjid. And so therefore, Jum'ah, which is a masjid-centric prayer, shouldn't have sunnah before or after. But, you know, some madhahib do say that. Like the Hanafi school, if someone follows the madhab, because that's the school they follow, (coughs) then it's okay. It's an ishtihad position. But from my point of view and from... The majority of scholars' point of view, there's no set, fixed, pre- and post-sunnah. Wallahu ta'ala, a'lam, no haris, organ donation, is in fiqh of death. Where I will go into a lot of detail about that, not in this class. as wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.